Just a couple things I want to get before we dig in, into the Word today. Um, as you know, we've been doing a, 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 just a two-month series on the book of Nehemiah. And some of you that are here today are wondering what this wall is all about. Obviously, the book of Nehemiah is all about uh, rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And Nehemiah came from a foreign country to come into Jerusalem to see the destruction of Jerusalem and then to help uh, the, the people of Jerusalem rebuild the wall. But as we've been looking, it was really... Uh, symbolic of their broken spiritual lives. And so what we've been doing each week, we've been looking at maybe something in our life that has been uh, broken or that has uh, been in, in, in disarray or in, in disrepair. And we've been making choices in our lives to say, God, you, you need to do something specific in my life and, and, and do something meaningful in my life because these things need to change. And the things that maybe are broken in your life may be symbolic of something deeper going on in your life. So, you know, when relationships are not in order, our finances aren't in order, or spiritually things aren't right with our relationship with God, it's usually something deeper that's going on in our hearts and our lives. And those are the things we want to deal with. And that's what was happening in Jerusalem when Nehemiah came. Spiritually, they were just, they were in destruction. And and God was wanting to renew uh, Jerusalem once again, that his glory would be shown in that city. And all of us deal with different things in our lives that can, we can easily just ignore and obviously become, uh, can become destructive in our life. And, and each one of these bricks that we've rebuilt the wall with represent you individuals who have made a choice in your life to say, God, here's something in my life that needs to be dealt with. I recognize it. I, I give it to you. I want it to change because not only does it help rebuild your life, but it rebuilds the life of the community of God. Not only does it affect you, but it affects uh, the people around you, your marriages, your, your family, and ultimately the community of God, that God may be glorified through his church. And, 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 and one of the things that the Lord desires to do uh, in the heart of the church is he, he ultimately wants to be glorified in his church. And, and there's nothing greater than a healthy church that recognizes that things need to change in our life. When, when we neglect the things in our life, that's when things get uh, in disorder. And God wants you to recognize, not to beat you up or to condemn you, but God wants you to recognize, hey, there are some things in your life that, that need to be restored. You need to deal with them. You can't brush them under the carpet any longer. And the longer we do that, uh, and the, the, the more we neglect it, the more it's going to come out in some way or somehow, and it's going to come back to hurt us and destroy us. So each one of these bricks represent over a thousand decisions that have been made for Christ. A thousand, over a thousand decisions. That was a great golf clap, by the way. But a thousand decisions that have been made for Christ that you've said each and every week, Lord, here's an area that needs to change. Here's an area. So you've come up, you've laid your your, your bricks at, at, at the altar here and we've built this wall which we've had to overflow onto the side wall because so many of you responded in such a, a positive way. So that's, that's wonderful. We, we, we've looked at you know, different areas in our lives. How, how do we overcome a, a lack of, 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 of just spiritual apathy in our life? We talked about prayer. Uh, we talked about how to, how to handle criticism uh, in, in our lives. We, we've been dealing with all these uh, different topics. Last week we talked about, you know, how, how do I, you know, use my life to help build 
the body of Christ? What areas do I need to look at that, that, that I can be used and God can use my gifts and my talents? And, and how has God used me to help build up his kingdom? This week is, is pivotal to the last two weeks. This week, what we're going to look at in the word of God through the book of Nehemiah is, is very imperative because at this point, the wall is half built and the enemy has come against Jerusalem and they want to give up. How many of you ever gotten in your life where you just said, I just want to give up? I, I don't want to go any further. I've had enough. Uh, I mean, there's too many things going on in my life. I've put up the, the white flag and I'm done. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Pastor, I've tried the Christian thing. It just seems like when I, when I take one step forward, I always take two steps back. Have you ever felt that way? You feel like, well, I've prayed, I've done these things, and it just feels like the next week something else happens or, or this happens in my life. It just seems like nothing is going right in my life. And sometimes you feel like maybe that's something that God is doing against you or you feel like maybe I'm just not living my Christian life right or or maybe just God is trying to discipline me what is going on why is this happening I want you to realize we're going to look at some principles here that I believe will help you to overcome opposition and fatigue in your life and I and I just I, I, I just want to encourage you this morning that life is not easy that every single one of us are going to have something in our lives that's going to oppose what God is trying to do in your heart. But that doesn't mean God is necessarily against you. It just means that God is doing something deeper in your life. And so I I want you to understand that rebuilding the wall for Jerusalem wasn't a cakewalk. It wasn't like they all came together, they all held hands, they sing kumbaya, and they built the wall in 52 days. Woohoo, we're all done. The minute they began to rebuild the wall, opposition came against them. And as they began to get halfway up, now it wasn't even just mocking at this point. Now they wanted to kill the people that were actually building the wall. And I'm sure many of the people in Jerusalem were like, wait a minute, we didn't sign up for this. We we want to rebuild the wall, but we don't necessarily want to give our lives for this. This is what we've signed up for. And I, I just want to encourage you today, for those of you that just feel like life keeps handing you the wrong thing all the time, and you're like, how do I overcome this? I believe these principles that we're going to see in this chapter of Nehemiah will help you to understand that God is for us and not against us, and he actually uses opposition in our life to strengthen our faith, to grow our roots deeper spiritually, so that when the next thing comes our way, our roots are going to be deep and established in Christ Jesus so that nothing will move you. Amen. And see, that's what Nehemiah, Nehemiah wasn't moved by the opposition. He knew it was coming. Why? Because his life was established in God. And he said, nothing's going to move me. Don't worry about this. God has got your back. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Don't worry. And he had to encourage them. Some of you here just need to be encouraged that God is for you and he hasn't hasn't given up on you. Amen. He loves you this morning. So what I want to do is I want to jump in. We're going to look at a couple things here uh, in the Word of God. And if you've got your Bibles, just turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Remember that this, this happened about 445 years before the birth of Christ. For 141 years, Jerusalem is, has laid in ruins. 
And, and so Nehemiah comes to rebuild not only walls, but the spiritual lives of, of these people. And so you see this destruction, you see uh, they're discouraged, um, and all of us here deal with struggles to overcome our past, struggles with our marriage, struggles to make ends meet, struggle with, with the enemy that comes against us. But I want to encourage you once again this morning, our struggle allows us to grow. Let me just, before we jump into Nehemiah 4, let me just read Hebrews 4 for you because I love this about Jesus because he's so good. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says this, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as you are, yet without sin. And so let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Can I just say something before we just jump into Nehemiah 4? Jesus is interceding for you. He sits at the right hand of the Father, forever interceding for his children. There is a place that you can always go to that you will find grace and mercy, and that's at the throne of God himself. Jesus is right there praying for you. doesn't matter. You don't have to be in church to pray. You can be anywhere and just shout out to the Lord, and Christ is there for you. Man, if that's not comforting, I don't know what is. He is there. He's the faithful high priest. He loves you. He cares for you. And he is always there for you. So Nehemiah, what he does is he gathers all the people around him. He goes, we've got this big project, but with God's help, we can rebuild the walls. The walls were more than two miles in diameter. And we studied last week that, that Nehemiah set up families at each parts of the wall and different gates to help rebuild the walls. So what begins to happen is they're going at it. They're rebuilding the wall. Things are exciting. Things are going ahead of schedule. People are pumped up. This wall and all the rubble is starting to go up very quickly. And all of a sudden, the enemy takes notice of what God is doing in Jerusalem. So let's jump in. Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 15. Let's, let's get the heart of what's going on now. It says, when Simbalat, we know that Simbalat is one of the enemies. When Simbalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even if a fox climbs up on it, he would break down their stone, their walls of stone. By the way, I almost hit a fox on my bike the other day. That scared me. I was going down a trail and the fox hit two kits right there with her. I was this far. It hissed at me. It lunged at my throat. It was the worst <laughs> ordeal I ever went through. So, wow, that was scary. Anyways, it just, when I was reading that, I remember I almost hit a fox the other day, but it moved out of the way, thank God. And I only have a couple scars on my neck. But anyways, so then he goes on. Listen to what he says. Here's the opposition. The enemy comes. He's a, they're opposed to what's doing. They're mocking them. Oh, even a fox could run on the wall. And they think, you know, what are these feeble Jews doing? Do they think they're going to do discouragement, critics, discouragement, discourage. What are they doing? And listen to what Nehemiah does. He doesn't answer right away to his critics. What he says is, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. 
Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. Boy, Nehemiah, he's really compassionate here, isn't he? He's calling for what it is. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders because ultimately they're mocking God. Ultimately, they're mocking God. God is actually the rebuilder of the wall. God is the king of Jerusalem. So he said, so we rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height. We're not going to listen to the opposition. We're not going to listen to what they're saying. For the people worked with what? All their heart. God was behind them. God was giving them the strength. But when Sembel, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem wall had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And so they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out because there was so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Now you've got the opposition of the enemy. They're beginning to get tired and he says, and also our enemies, before, before they uh, know it or see us, they will be right there among us and will kill them and put an end to their work. And then the Jews who lived near came to us and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Okay, did that stop Nehemiah? No way. Therefore, he says, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fights for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemy heard that we were aware of their plot, and that God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Now jump down to verse 23, because here's the wisdom that God gave Nehemiah. Neither I nor my brothers nor the men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when we went for water. So here's what's happening. They begin to rebuild. The enemy came against them. And this time they're not just mocking, but they're threatening war against them. So the question I want to throw out to you right away is, why didn't they just give up? You would think they'd say, hey, Nehemiah, I didn't sign up for this. We're going to risk our lives for this. But I want you to notice something, the encouragement that Nehemiah gave them to continue to rebuild the wall and actually finish it in 52 days. I want to show you some principles. There's three principles I want you to grab out of chapter four when overcoming opposition. And let me give you a couple things here. First of all, we've, we've got to understand that, that there's always going to be opposition in our life. And Nehemiah understood this. So what, what allowed them to, to overcome the adversary, to overcome the opposition, to overcome uh, their discouragement? Let, let me give you a couple things. If you're taking notes, let me give you the big idea number one here. The first idea here that I want you to see from chapter four is they were doing something. Just write that down in your notes. They were doing something. Now, I want you to understand something. They were building the wall. It, it, it write this down. Don't expect opposition if you aren't doing anything. Just if, if, if there is no opposition in your life, that means you're not doing anything, right? 
if there's opposition in your life, that means you're doing something. So they were doing something. They were moving forward with God's plans. And when you begin to move forward with God's plans, guess what? There will be opposition. Just be ready for it. Be prepared. In fact, Nehemiah was ready when he first came in to survey the wall. He spent three days and he went at night to survey the wall because he knew the enemy was there. He knew what was going on. So don't expect opposition if you aren't doing anything. Let me give you something here that I, will, I hope will help you with your walk with God. This is very theological, so write this down. Are you ready? Expect problems in your life. Just, just ex- write that down. Expect problems in your life. They're going to come. They're going to come in every shape, form, size. There are going to be problems in your life, w- w- things that we don't even know where they come from. Just expect this. Even Jesus said in John 16, 33, he's encouraging his disciples from not getting discouraged. And he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. In this world, you will have trouble, tribulation. But he said this to his, his, his discouraged disciples, but take heart, I have done what? I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. As a followers of Jesus Christ, you're, at times you're going to be misunderstood. At times you're going to be marginalized, mocked, made fun of. You're going to have problems. You're going to have health issues. You're going to have relationship issues. You're going to have money issues. You see, the problem is when you no longer follow the crowd, when you no longer laugh at the off-color jokes at work, when you no longer go to the bars that you used to go to, people are going to make fun of you. When, when, when you have uh, difficulties in your life, you're going to realize, Lord, this is here to help me grow. I know that there's going to be uh, opposition in my life, but I know that, that, that you're going to encourage me even through that time of opposition. I know you're there. I know you're never going to leave me or forsake me. I mean, I can just remember one summer when I was working with the, the God-forsaken roofers at Kodak. God bless every pervert that was on that roof. And, and when I would work with them, they knew that I was uh, going to study to be a pastor. And, and, <laughs> and so they just gave it to me for the first two weeks. They were relentless. They, I, just, I was dirty from work, and I had to go home and wash my mind from the dirt that they were spilling out of their mouths. And I, I got to the point where I got used to them, and I would just call them all perverts, and that they're all going to hell in a handbasket, and they need to repent. So... But I can remember through that time, it was just discouraging. I come home from, you know, from the day and my mom, my dad said, how's it going? My dad worked at Kodak at the same time. Sometimes I'd take the bus. For those of you who remember Kodak, they actually had a busing system within Kodak that was really cool. And you could take the one bus from one part of the park to the other. And um, they actually had a bowling. They had bowling at Kodak. I, when I was younger, my sisters took a debutante class in, in Kodak you know, how do you put a book on your head and you learn how to walk like this? They would go to that class and my dad would take me bowling, like 25 cents a game. That was a deal. That was fun. How many remember that? Bowling at Kodak. Oh, it was great. Um, where was I? Oh, so I would take the bus and my dad would encourage me. We'd get lunch and stuff. But I always remember there was this one guy on our job, this Jamaican gentleman, had 
bleached blonde hair. He was just an older man, white hair. I, always, I, I never forgot him. And he was a Christian. He'd say, Barton, how's your day going? And what he would do is, in the midst of my day during lunch, I'd say, that's ah, a little rough, the guys. He goes, don't mind them. They're, they're just, the more you let them get you, just ignore them. Just keep living for your walk with Jesus. And what he would do is he would pray for me. Right during the middle of the day, he would take my hand and say, Barton, let me pray for you. He put his hands on my head and just pray over me. I was, whoa. Oh, come on. That little Holy Ghost revival right there, Kodak. It was great. And, he would, and I would feel so encouraged because there was somebody that God sent to encourage me right in the time where I felt so discouraged many times. Some of you, you may be going through some health issues that, that just maybe some chronic things that just get you down. And, and because of what you're going through, it just, it's always there. It's that nagging thing that can just get you down. I, I want you to realize that the enemy comes in many different forms. It may not be as, as dramatic as Nehemiah where the enemy was right there where they actually had to have you know, swords and bows on the side of them. But let me tell you that the enemy comes a lot of different ways. One way the enemy slips through the broken down gates of our lives is through discouragement. And, and the enemy sees that little open door and he says, I know how to get to Barden. I'm going to get him discouraged here and make him look at his life and think that God doesn't care for him or that God doesn't love him. And all of us go through that. And there's that little open door, that little crack, and the enemy weaves his ugly little head through that thing to try to get you discouraged from your walk with the Lord. So all of us, you know, we go through these times of discouragement. But you know what? Here's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says when you go through those times of opposition and discouragement, health issues, whatever it is, He says to count them as a privilege. We're almost to look at it opposite as a believer. Lord, I count this as a privilege for what I'm going through for you. 1 Peter 4.14 says this, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the Spirit of the glory of God rests on you. You see, this is part of the deal with being a follower of Christ. We know that opposition is going to come. We know that when we begin to move forward with God and we begin to do things for God and God begins to strip the things off our life, we know that the enemy is going to be right there opposing what the Lord is doing. But don't be discouraged. God is with you and he's going to deepen and strengthen you and cause uh, perseverance to, to, to dwell within your life so that you can persevere through these things and come forth such as goal that God desires in your heart. So he's doing a deeper work. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. But remember, God is for us and not against us. Now, if there's sin and rebellion in my life that I need to repent from, that's a whole nother deal that God is faithful to forgive us and to heal us from those things and, and restructure our lives so that we can be a, 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 a people that are, are used for God's glory. So they were doing something. Because they were doing something, there was the opposition. Here's the big idea number two that helped them with their discouragement. Because they were doing something, they knew there was going to be opposition. Nehemiah knew that. He was prepared for it. The second big idea is that they prayed and they turned to God. As you see, through, there's four times in that chapter where they turned and they acknowledged God and they began to pray. So here's the other big idea. Just because they prayed once didn't mean that everything was going to work out perfectly, right? So as they were going through the opposition, they had to continually turn back to God and rely on his strength and his promises. So Nehemiah knew ultimately where his strength would come from. 
And I want you to notice his words as he, as he turned to God. He says, hear us, God. For we, not only include himself, but he included the group of God that was working on the wall. We are despised. You see, Nehemiah interceded for everyone. They were in it together. When one suffers, they all suffer. No one is alone. And so the first thing that Nehemiah did was he prayed. Nehemiah knew that their ultimate strength did not come from the walls. Listen, oh, please catch this. Just because the physical walls were being built would never give them a security in their own lives that only God could bring them. Okay, follow me here. You see, what we think is, God, if you just restore this, or God, some physical thing, God, if you restore my health, if you restore my finances, if you restore all these things, then, then I'll have peace and then everything will be all right. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I think God needed to take the Israelites through this to teach them what their real strength came from. The, rebuilding the walls could never give them security like the Lord could give them their security, right? So some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, well, if I just had job security, job security, what's that, right? Some of you are thinking, that's right, I've had like eight jobs. I've had to switch careers when I was like 95 years old, right? Some, it's, it's like I had to go back to school. Jobs, what's that? There's no such thing as that. Pension, what? What's that? So for us living here today, there's no way we can put our trust in the world to find our security in the world, can we? There's no way. Our security has to come from the Lord. And so what I think God was teaching the Israelites during this time is, you've got to put your security in me. I'm going to be your defender. Not the wall. The wall is great, but the wall only symbolizes my salvation. The wall symbolizes my ultimate protection for you. And I'm going to give you a scripture here that's going to blow your mind because it just reiterates this whole thing. Nehemiah knew their ultimate strength did not come from the walls, but from the Lord. This is what Nehemiah said. Great and awesome is our God, for he will fight for us. The walls could never defend us in the way that the Lord can defend us. Amen. Okay, so, so let's look at this. I, I, I want to give you a passage from the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah received a message from an angel of the restoration of Jerusalem. So Zechariah was, was a prophet that was part of this reestablishing Jerusalem and giving uh, encouragement to those that were rebuilding Jerusalem. Zechariah encouraged Zerubbabel to, to, to rebuild the temple and not to give up, not by uh, might nor by strength, but by my power, says the Lord. That was the prophet uh, Zechariah speaking to Zerubbabel to encourage him to continue the rebuilding of, of the temple when they got discouraged. But I want you to see something here. Ooh, this is good. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Zach, write this down. Zechariah 2, verses 4 and 5. Zechariah 2, verses 4 and 5. And this is what the angel said. Through God's wonderful, wonderful power and wisdom to encourage people. Listen to the words. And I said to him, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls. What? I thought we're supposed to build up the walls, right? Because that represents God's salvation. He says, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because the great number of men and livestock in it. But listen to what he says here. 
It says, the Lord says, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within the walls. Now catch this. I love what Pastor John Piper, he has good insight here on this very passage. Pastor Piper says this, but walls are necessary, right? They are security against lawless hordes of enemy armies. Without walls, villages are fragile, weak, vulnerable. Listen, what Zechariah is saying, there's going to be so many people within that city because prosperity has come to that city. But John Piper says, listen, prosperity is nice, but if we don't have walls to protect us, what good is it? If we don't have money to put our, our banks to put our money in and we're not protected by things, then, then what good is it? To which God replies to them this, I will be to her a wall of fire around her. You see, God says, listen, these walls are great. They're symbolic of my salvation. But really, what's going to be your strength is me. I will literally be a wall of fire. Get, a, get imagination of a wall of fire. Nothing's penetrating a wall of fire. And so what he's saying to the Israelites is, I'm going to be your protector. I'm going to be a wall, a guard around your life all the time. No physical wall could ever do that. Don't put your trust in this. Put your trust in the Lord. So here's the problem. So many times we base our trust on the Lord or our security based on how well things are going on in our life, in the peripheral parts of our life. If my health is okay, if I'm getting a paycheck, if all these things are okay, then I feel secure. And God says, don't put your security in those things. Those can never give you an ultimate security. I literally want to be your wall of fire to give you protection. See, this is the promise that God gives Israel and gives us today. God will be for us what we can't be or what a wall can be. I, I, I did that all on my own. So listen to it again because I don't give you too many good barden quotes because I got a P for a brain. So listen again because this is good. God will be for us what we can't be or what a wall can be. God will be our protector. God will be that wall of fire around you. You see, Paul encouraged the Philippians by saying, listen, don't be anxious or worry about anything, but everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, the, the guarding there is like a sentry that, that stands weight, that, that guards a fortress. God says, through Christ Jesus, I'm going to be your guard. I'm going to guard your heart, and I'm going to guard your mind in my son. That you don't have to worry, that you don't have to fret, that you don't have to be anxious, that you can come to me at any time, present your requests, your, your prayers, your anxieties, give them to me. And what I'm going to give in exchange for all your anxiety, all your worry, all your peace, all the things that we're worrying about, right? What I'm going to do is I'm going to exchange it for the peace of my son, Jesus. I'm telling you people, no amount, of, no amount of money in your bank account or the security of your future can ever give you the peace that Christ desires to give you today. And I'm telling you, listen, listen to me. I'm telling you, life is crazy. There are so many things that we can worry about. My son Colby just got his driver's permit. God help me. Okay, let's pray right now. 
there's always a new thing. How many parents understand that you never stop worrying about your kids? The best age ever for my kids is when you could take your child, sit them in the middle of the floor. They didn't know how to crawl. They didn't know how to roll over. They didn't know how to grab things. They could, they could just place them with the blanket, stick them right there, let them drool over the blanket, and then walk away. And you could come back like eight hours later like we used to do, and they'd still be there. <laughs> right? You didn't worry about it. It was great. All of a sudden, you know, everyone say, oh, wait till they, you know, I can't wait till they start walking. No, I don't, no, don't walk. <laughs> Lily, our third one, I was like, no, you're not walking, girl. Don't start, I knock her feet out from underneath her. <laughs> no, you're not walking. I give her real uncomfortable shoes to wear. So they, oh, no, good, because I don't want you walking. Then you start walking. We got to start putting things away, baby proofing the house, tying everything. We're in, we're in what's in our cabinet. Every, you know, it's just crazy. You never, right? You never stop worrying. There's, I, there's so many things that we can be fretful and anxious about. And God tells us, I don't want you to, to, to wear those things. I don't want you to be burdened by those things. You've got a Savior who cares about you and wants you to come to Him and find peace. You see, that's the promise we have in prayer, that God will ultimately be our, to be our protector, that Christ is our defender, our protector. Go to him. I love Romans 8, and 34. It says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? There's no one that can condemn you. Tobiah and Sembalat, what, what can they do? Their charges are ultimately against God. Who is it that can condemn? Jesus Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Who? There's nothing that is going to come against you when you are ultimately in Christ Jesus because he's ultimately your defender and your protector. You see, prayer is the key. Prayer is the key to this whole thing. Nehemiah knew where to turn. And I can't tell you how much I covet and need your prayers in my life. I love coming Tuesday night and praying with our, the people that come Tuesday night in prayer. And you're always all invited to pray 7 to 8 o'clock with us on Tuesday nights. Um, I, I love when people tell me they're praying for me. It's just, it's just that's what I need. Ultimately, we need prayer. Because that's where the battle is won. The battle was won there. You see, for Nehemiah, the reason why he could win this battle against Tobiah and Sambal and the others that were coming against him was that he was in God's presence. He says, they're not going to bother me because I know God's ultimately our defender. Paul encourages the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 6, 18 and 19. He says, listen, this is how you pray. Just pray in the Spirit. When you don't even know what to pray, just pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And I love what Paul says here. He says, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So he says, pray for yourself with all kinds of prayers. Pray for the saints. Pray for other believers to encourage them. And also pray for me. There's, listen, if you got nothing to pray for, pray for me. That'll keep you busy for a long time, okay? So, so just keep on praying with all kinds. Of, it doesn't have to be one type of request. It can be all kinds of requests because God will be your strength. So we understand about opposition that 
when you're doing something, opposition will come. We understand that. Understand when opposition comes, you gotta be, you've got to go to God in prayer and, and don't give up continually. Let God encourage you that God's going to be your protection, that he's going to be the wall of fire around you. See, the, the thing that Nehemiah did that I, before we jump into the last point, the thing that I love that Nehemiah did is he encouraged himself in the Lord. Even when the opposition was coming, Nehemiah understood that. But he understood that God was greater than the opposition, that God was greater than the discouragement that would come from these enemies. He knew that he was doing God's will. So that encouraged him, which encouraged everybody else to allow them and to prepare them to continue to build the wall. All right, so do something, you know opposition's gonna come. You pray, help overcome the opposition. And the last idea here is that help them to overcome the opposition is they worked together. They weren't an island unto themselves. We have to work together as a team. Listen, here's what happened. When the opposition was coming and they threatened war against them, this is what Nehemiah did. He used a lot of wisdom here. Nehemiah had some work on the wall and some held nine millimeter glocks. It's great. No, I'm kidding. Some held spears and bows, the word of God tells us. This wasn't a lack of faith. This was wisdom because sometimes God would have them fight. Everyone had a job. Some work, some held watch for the enemy. Listen, some of you here, you just have a gift of praying and interceding for others. I, I love people that just love to pray. I just, I, not that we're any more special than anybody else, but some people just have a gift. They just, they pray. They, you know, listen, just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let God use you to pray in all circumstances and situations. You, you just may be in your car driving to work or something may go on in your day and, and, and you just pray, say, God, just, I need you right now. I, I need your wisdom and I need your strength right now. I need your help. But some of you just, you, you, you're just good encouragers. Some of you are just good encouragers. Thank God for you. Some of you just are good encouragers. That's such a great, the gift of encouragement. I just love the gift of encouragement. You know, I know some of you had the gift of critiquing, which is good, which is okay. <laughs> I don't like that gift, Lord. But we all need it at times, right? The gift of truth to bring truth to a certain situation. <laughs> just hate that gift. No, that's good. We need to hear it, right? Some of you have the gift of encouragement at the right time, at the right place. You're just there and you give a hug when there needs to be a hug. And when someone needs something, you're, you're, you're right there to, to, to meet a need. You got the gift of hospitality and just to help. Just, and you know that you just know those people that just at the right time, at the right moment, they just say the right thing to encourage you when you're discouraged. You know what I'm talking about? I just, that's a great, great gift. Somebody just calls you and just says, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I've been praying for you. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're just going through something. Maybe you're not going through something. But I just wanted to call you to let you know that I am just praying for you. And boy, it may come at a perfect time when you are down or discouraged and someone just encourages you, right? Man, that is so important. I love when people are praying. I mean, that's, that's the backbone of this church that's how we work together. So what you had was is you had, you had people that were prepared. You had a person with a trowel in one hand and they had the sword in the other. What a great picture. See, they worked and they prayed. They knew that they were in a battle. They didn't let their 
guard down. And something that's interesting in verse 22 here is Nehemiah told the workers to stay in the city at night to keep guard. And they always were together. And, and some may say, well, pastor, I can't do that much. You know, I just, I just can't do that much. You know, I'd love to help more around the church, but I just can't, whether something physical in your life inhibits you from doing those things. Let me just tell you this. You know what you can do? You can pray. I mean, that's the most important thing that you could ever do for this body of believers is pray for this church. That's amazing. I mean, my, um, uh, I had to go visit my mom's uncle who, who was just worked hard all his life. He's older. He's like the, the last, he's my granddad's um, brother. He's the kind of last of all the brothers. They were all in the World War II and served in the service and just great, great men of God. And he's, he's not, he's a great man of God. And last week he went into congestive heart failure and going through some difficult times. They weren't sure if he was going to make it through. He did, but they weren't sure. So I want to go up and, and, and pray with him. And you could just see he was just tired. He was, he was tired and you could just tell that he went through a lot. But I'll tell you what, when I started praying, he grabbed my hand and almost broke it and just woke up and just prayed with me. And I could tell, you know, he served as a part-time pastor, just, just a lay pastor for so many years and um, worked hard for Gleason's and Kodak, you know, retired from there, but just a part-time pastor at a small country church just south of Naples. And uh, boy, he could pray. And the minute I grabbed his hand, I said, Uncle Alan, let me just pray with you. He looked up and just grabbed my hand and almost broke it. I'm like, okay, okay. Please let go of my hand. Um, and we just prayed. And here's somebody that's, that's laying in bed, that's just gone through a horrible thing, of, you know, just this health issue, and, and just looked me in the eye and said, thank you for praying. And I know that he was praying. And, you know, sometimes we think, Lord, there's not a whole lot I can do but pray. I mean, th this is how we encourage each other. You know, when you got your prayer list and, and you're praying for your family, don't give up on them. Don't, don't give up. Christ hasn't given up yet. And we need to continue to pray and say, God, you know where my kids are. You know where my family is. You know where my spouse is. You know where all this. You got to pray and just say, God, do your work. Keep my heart tender. Keep my heart soft so that I don't become discouraged. And, and I believe because they worked together and they prayed together and they encouraged each other in the promises of God, they were, o o they were able to overcome the attacks of the enemy. And that's how you'll do it in your life. That when you pray and you realize that it's going to be hard work, that I've got to work and pray, work and pray, but I believe that God is the one that's going to give me the strength. So don't give up. See, I want you to notice that all three big ideas have one thing in common. They all worked together. No one could do it alone. They needed to have each other's back. They were working towards a common goal to restore God's glory within Jerusalem. And we are all doing the same thing, allowing God's glory to be shown in each other's life. So here's, here's the, the, the action point 
this morning that I want you to, um, to grab this morning as we respond to God's word and respond to what God is doing in your heart. Some of you here today, you're just discouraged. And maybe on your, your brick, you just need to be honest with yourself and say, there is a battle that I'm going through right now that has just got me down. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's fine. I don't know, what it, whatever it is. But there is just something you're going through. And you're going to be honest with the Lord and just say, maybe you come into this place and you just feel like giving up. You've been so beaten up that you just feel like giving up. And God has you here for a reason this morning to encourage you. To say, don't give up. I'm right there with you. I haven't left you. I'm going I'm to love you through this. And maybe some of you are here today and you just know that there's somebody that needs encouragement. Somebody that you know is just discouraged. Maybe you put their name down on the card today and you say, Lord, use me in this person's life just to encourage them. Maybe it's writing them a note. Maybe it's getting together with them this week. Maybe it's calling them on the phone and just saying, I'm praying for you. You, you're, you know that there's a person, maybe you're, you yourself, you're not going through a real difficult thing right now in your life. Thank God for that. You're in a good season right now, right? Amen. Praise God. But maybe God's saying, you know what? I want to use you in this season of your life just to encourage somebody else to pray. Maybe God's calling you to to go a little deeper in your prayer life, just to say, you know what, I, I, boy, I, I kind of allowed some things in my life to slip in that's causing me to be anxious about my job or about my health or about these things, and it's got me discouraged. And I, I need to press in a little bit more with the Lord and begin to really allow His Word to be the anchor in my life and allow prayer to be the anchor in my life. Listen, I know how crazy life is, and I have to have my priorities in order. How many of you know that you can always say, well, my prayer, I know God, family, church, we all say, we all know, right? We all can, you know, we, we can say that, but in reality, many times we're not doing it. We know, but then when we start getting stressed out, things can take away from our priorities. And, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to allow uh, the peripheral things in our life to take over what's priority in your life. And so you've, there are things in your life that you have to have as priority in your life. And if prayer and your personal devotion with God is not a priority, something else will take it over. You know, there are just some things that we've set up, that I've set up in my personal life that I have to have as stable in my life because once those things get out of whack, I, I know my life starts to get stressed out, right? And so for me, I know that I have to have these things as concrete in my life. And just a couple of those things is like we pray as a family at night. We just do, we come together. Now, it's not some Holy Ghost revival where all the kids, pray more, Daddy, please. We love the way you pray. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, Dad, we wrap it up here. No, I'm not done preaching. When I get done preaching, I'll let you know and you can leave. No, we... Uh, we try to come together as a family and just pray together. That, that's important. My wife and I, we pray together in the morning. That, that's, that's a priority. Um, for me, when, when, when I run and I, I jog, I try to listen to other 
pastors because I'm always preaching. I need to be ministered to myself. So I have like five or six, seven pastors that I really love to listen to. And so when I'm jogging, I'm listening to somebody else preach because you know what? There are things I need to hear to correct that to be to made to be made difference in my life. There may be some corrections that need to happen in in my life. When I do my own personal study, it's different from my you know preparation for my sermons. I have my own time that I read the Word of God. I need those things because when those things start to to get out of whack. You know, we try to eat, fam- eat together as a family as much as we can for dinner because, you know, life, our lives are just, are just crazy sometimes, right? And, and so those things have, and I, and I know it's like a checklist that I have in my life. So when I know those things start to get ignored, something's wrong in my life. There's something wrong in my life. And you know what? If, if you could pray for me, just pray, God, give pastor the right priorities in his life. sure that he's taking care of his wife. Make sure that he's taking care of his kids. I just love Wayne Central School District because they make you, when you're in the Finger Lakes League, we were just over in Minders and Seneca Falls and then you got to drive down to Marcus Whitman and you got to drive all over the place to watch the kids' baseball games. I just love Wayne Central. I think I, I, think I drove like 8,000 miles in the last week just driving all over the, all over New York to watch my kids in their sports. But you know what? That's a priority for me. It's a priority. I have, I have to rearrange things. And thank God in my position, I'm able, I'm able to kind of rearrange things to be able to do that. Not all the time, but I'm able to do that. If you could pray for me, just pray that God give pastor the right priorities in his life. It's so easy to allow the pressures of our world to just consume us to the point that we just get discouraged and want to give up. And God doesn't want you to be there. So by praying and encouraging each other and realizing that when you're doing something, the enemy is going to oppose what you're doing. But remember, your anchor is Jesus Christ. And that never moves. He's such a good Savior. And He loves you so much. Don't forget that. And when you immerse yourself in God's Word, it just encourages you and it reminds you who you're serving that he's never going to leave you or forsake you, that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? God is good. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to come. He's going to close us in the time of prayer and just challenge you guys. And God bless you guys. I love you. Amen. Hopefully, uh, God's already been starting to do something in your heart. We've been uh, doing this, you know, for the last few weeks as we've been working on our wall here. Today, I think every one of you could potentially respond. Um, I encourage you and I challenge you to respond in some way. And so um, I just wrote a couple things down, and maybe there's something on, in your, um, you know, that you could write down that's different, but just to kind of give us maybe a little bit of focus. A um, couple things I thought of as, as Pastor Barton was preaching is, God, Jesus is my peace. Um, so what's, what do you, maybe you just need to write that on your card as a reminder for God to continually remind you that Jesus is your peace. Are you stressed out? Are you anxious? Are you worried about something specific or is just life in general? This is something that drives anxiety inside of you. Maybe you need to remind yourself and you need God to remind you continuously that Jesus is my strength. You need to encourage yourself in that. I want you to write that on your card with your name and bring that up when we begin to sing. Maybe Jesus is your victor. Jesus is your victory. He's already won. At the end of your life, if you're in Christ, you win. 
there's nothing, there's nothing, um, we don't lose anything. We win our whole salvation. We win, we win our all of heaven. We win everything that Jesus promises. So uh, what are you going through that you've forgotten that God is in control? Is there anything you're dealing with that you have forgotten that God is in control? I want you to write down in your card, Jesus is my victor. So you can be reminded that Jesus has already won the victory for you in his timing and in his ways. Number three, uh, Jesus is my strength. Are you just weak? What has crushed you? Do you feel crushed under the weight of something in your life that seems too big, too mighty, too ginormous for you to even begin to think about how to get out of? You have to remember Jesus is your strength. Maybe that's what you need to write in your card as a reminder of who Jesus is. And lastly, Jesus is my redeemer. He's already redeemed me. Uh, where have you truly failed? Maybe this, this is where it kind of gets a little bit maybe more difficult to admit to, but where have you truly failed God or others that you need to come forward to and just say, God, you need to redeem me from this. You need to be my redeemer because I have been imperfect. I have failed in this area and God, you need to redeem me. Only you can wipe me clean. Only you can forgive. Only you can do the work that needs to be done inside of me. So uh, just as an encouragement, God will forgive you. God can forgive you and God wants to forgive you. All you have to do is take the step toward God to say, God, please forgive me. The Bible says clearly, that we would confess Jesus cleanse. When we confess Jesus cleanse of all of our unrighteousness. So will you confess today? Any of those things, Jesus is your strength, Jesus is your victor, Jesus is your peace, or Jesus is your redeemer. What do you need from him today? Let's respond and ask God to do that work inside of us. As we sing this last song, I invite you, every single one of you, somehow to respond and bring your card up as symbolically saying, God, I want you to do this in my heart. Sound good? Let's stand it if, you, if you're ready to stand. If not, you want to sit and write, go for it. But at some point, come on up, put your card in, and let's worship Jesus.
again and the decisions that we've made. I thank you for the encouragement that we can find in Christ Jesus today. And I just pray for all these decisions today, Lord, to, Lord, just to reach out to you and ask you to be the peace in our life that we desire for you to be. And I thank you that, Lord, you're close to the, to the brokenhearted, to those that are crushed in spirit. You are right there, God, and we thank you for that, Jesus. So as we just go in your presence now, we just thank you for your goodness and we thank you for who you are, and we just thank you for, for just being faithful to us. You are a faithful, faithful Savior, and for that we are so thankful. And uh, just give us a great day, and I just pray your blessing upon every life that's here today, Lord. As we just go in your presence now, we just give Jesus the thanks and the glory. In his name we ask these things. Amen, amen, amen. Let's just give the Lord praise today. Thank him for his word. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day. God bless.